So the saga continues. Interesting story today. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, living in Moab is not an option. Going back to Bethlehem certainly is a wise choice. Now, on the screen, you'll, you'll probably see my first little comment I want to make. is something I read not long ago, and it's this. It is possible to know God and yet be far from him. Maybe some of you have actually figured that out in your life. You know who God was, but for one reason or another, he seemed very distant, almost like he didn't care. And sometimes like, God, why are you punishing me this way? Maybe you've been there before. Now, I think most Christ followers kind of understand to some degree how that works. Uh, perhaps you've had the experience of actually drifting away. You kind of were raised, but then you kind of walked away from your church for a while, kind of left your faith behind, left your faith family a little bit behind before you kind of return. You may have never thought that that kind of stuff would ever happen to you, but somewhere along the line you made some wrong choices, and one day you woke up, and God was a lot farther away than you thought. Well, this can happen no matter who you are. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't make any sense whether you're the pastor of a church or whether you're the pastor's wife or it doesn't make any sense who you are in whatever spectrum. It's, it's possible for you to drift away from the Lord. You know, maybe some of you grew up in the church and you just walked away. Lutherans do that when they get confirmed in eighth grade. I'm all done. Know all there is to know. Uh, or maybe you've been hurt by somebody who, who claimed to be a Christian. And you thought, man, if that's what a Christian is, I really don't think I want anything to do with that kind of stuff. Or maybe you made a decision and you went in the wrong direction and suddenly you found yourself, like the prodigal son, a long way of home, long way from home, doing a bunch of stuff you never thought you would do, like having lunch with the pigs. See, something like that happened to Naomi in this section of Scripture. I mean, ten years have passed now since her husband, remember good old Elimelech from last week? And then her two sons, Malan and Chilion, both have died. And, uh, well, this happened, one, because they kind of left the promised land, Bethlehem, and they moved to Moab, where God had said have nothing to do with Moabs, but they thought if we're just there for a little while, nothing bad can happen to us. Well, their intentions were good, but nothing worked out like they had intended it. And so now she's a widow, and she's got two widowed daughters-in-law. So here's the second question I'd ask you. What do you do when life shatters your dreams and leaves you with a broken heart? Now, if, if you've never had your dreams shattered in life, the rest of this message isn't going to make much sense to you. If you've never had a broken heart, uh, this message may not have much to do with you either. But I have a sneaking feeling all of us kind of fall in there somewhere. Now, we find the answer in today's reading in Ruth 1, 6 to 22. And the Hebrew text, unless some of you are reading along this morning in Hebrew or you're Jeff or me, maybe you didn't realize that there's a word that appears 12 different times in the Hebrew. It's a word that means turn or return or brought back. And when this word is used, it, 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 is, it could mean to turn literally as if uh, I drove south to Missouri and today I'm going to drive north to Nebraska. I'm just going to go the opposite direction. Or it could possibly be um, I was going this way spiritually and I realized I really need to go back this way. I, I, I went to Moab and now I'm going to think about heading back to Bethlehem. Now, this word has both meanings 
in the section of scripture that Nancy read to you, when Naomi starts her journey back to Bethlehem, she is literally traveling from east to west. So she's really reversing her journey that she and Elimelech had taken 10 years before. But she's also in the same process turning her life around in kind of a spiritual sense. And after living in a pagan land for 10 decades, uh, she now returns to her own people and to the God of the Bible. So it's a journey that is both literal and it's a journey that is spiritual in which a, and I'm going to call her this, a bruised believer. And I don't know whether that resonates with you at all. Maybe you've been a bruised believer at some time. You didn't understand why God was doing what he was doing to you or why he was allowing this to happen. And your, your faith just gets hammered. And it's not that you turn away from God, but you're just kind of beat up and don't quite know what to do now. So we're going to take a look today at what she did in order to turn this whole mess around. Now, we're going to trace the steps from Moab to Bethlehem. And we, I think all of us need this message. And the more, often, the more I went through this, I thought, man, I need this message. Uh, and I've been on a journey like that, but I know I don't ever want to be on another journey like that at any point in my life. So we're going to take a look at three steps. Here's step number one. Start where you are. What is today? Today is uh, uh, 423. What is it? April. <laughs> April 23rd, 2023. You start where you are. Right now, what's going on in your life? See, as this passage opens, Naomi has a bunch of options. She can stay in Moab, where she will be a perpetual stranger. Why? Because she was a Jew. Remember that? In that case, Orpah and Ruth would probably remarry Moabite men. Or she could move to another land close to Moab. Or she could go back to Bethlehem. To be among her own people. Now the decision is made for her. And if you caught this in verses 6 and 7. It says she and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab. Because she'd heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's needs by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living accompanied by her two daughters-in-law. And traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. So now this ten year famine all over. All over. The way is clear for her to go back home. But the question is, what do you do with two, two Moabite women who happen to be your daughters-in-law who probably aren't going to be welcomed very much when you get back to Bethlehem? Now, life is going to be hard enough for a, a Jewish widow in Bethlehem, but it would be a whole lot worse for Moabite widows without husbands. After all, who's going to protect these women from God knows what? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to clothe them? Uh, who's going to shelter them? And we can't say, well, well, we have good intentions. How does it work? Well, good intentions are not enough sometimes in the face of human need. Uh, these young widows are going to be a burden to their mother-in-law, and it would be better for them if they would just stay where they belong. That's what some people would say. Just stay here in Moab. Mind your own business. Now, you might say Naomi was kind of unkind here, but I don't really think so. She just felt empty already. I mean, why drag these two Moabite widows into misery back in Judah? Now, I've had a few people contact me and find out that I'm preaching through Ruth. 
Some of them like, oh, how many weeks is this going to be? And when I tell them seven, they say it's the same thing that Nancy told me when I told her seven. She said, how can you get seven messages out of, out of a book that's only four chapters and 85 verses? I said, quite easily, thank you. <laughs> and then the second question is, I don't know, I didn't really like that book very much because Naomi doesn't sound very spiritual. I don't, I don't know why she, how she got in this book. I mean, why did God have this whiny old lady... <laughs> in this book well well my answer is she only decides to return to Bethlehem after she has heard what she has heard that the Lord had finished up the famine now perhaps that's not deep enough for some of you that doesn't sound like much of a theological change or spiritual change but her reasoning is sound if the famine is over why not go back and at least start over. Go back to the place where she was blessed initially. And no doubt, both Orpah and Ruth uh, intended to go to both Bethlehem and start all over again. But Naomi says, you girls don't understand the hardship that you will face. She said, what? I'm too old. I'm too old to have babies anymore. And even if I can have a baby tonight, she said, you're not going to hang around for that baby to live to be 16 or 17 years old or whatever so you can marry them. Um, and when Naomi says, you just need to go home, she expresses her wish that they might experience. This is interesting. She says, I want you to go back home, stay here in Moab, and experience what? The Lord's kindness as they have shown it to the dead people and to me. So it's God's kindness that was shown to her when her husband and her boys died. Now, Jeff probably can already guess where I might go with that word kindness. Because in the Hebrew, uh, kindness, the Hebrew word is chesed. You've got to have a little phlegm in your throat to be able to say that in the Hebrew. Chesed. Yeah, I'll try that once. I'll say it again. Chesed. Uh, but chesed means loyal love. Uh, it's an Old Testament way of talking about the grace of God. And it says, as you showed chesed to me, he says, to the dead and me, may God now show chesed to you. Now, deeply discouraged, I, I, I just put myself in, in Naomi's sandals for a moment. She's probably thinking something like this. I'm too old to have that, another husband. Even if I got married tonight, even if I had more sons, would you wait for them? I mean, so you get married again. And even if all that was possible, we think about this story, the young widows would never wait. So Naomi's bottom line comes in verse 13. I hope you paid attention to that before when she said, the Lord has raised his hand against me. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but have you ever felt like the Lord has raised his hand against you at some time in your life? You know, very discouraged, very discouraged. She's telling Orpah and Ruth, don't stay with me. Because everything in my life has turned to dust. You don't want to hang with somebody that God doesn't care about anymore. So she kind of feels as if the Lord has brought nothing but trouble. I mean, she's gone through famine. She's gone through exile. She's gone through the death of her husband. She's now a widow. She's lost both of her boys. And she thinks that the Lord has become her enemy. All she sees is darkness. And all she sees is darkness ahead of her in life. That's why she thinks these two young Moabite widows should, would be better off going back to their Moabite homes 
And Orpah, by the way, does. And by the way, it's the last you'll ever hear of Orpah in Scripture. She's never, ever mentioned again. She just kind of walks off the biblical stage and vanishes forever. So now, Naomi, speaking from a broken heart, starts her walk back to Bethlehem, feeling as if she has absolutely no future at all. But, you know, just like the prodigal son, I I think about the story of the prodigal son who uh, probably underestimated his father's love for him, too. It's like, well, I'm eating pig slop. I I can at least get better food from my dad's servants, and I'm just going to go home and take whatever he gives me. But even though the prodigal son underestimated the love of God, and Naomi, I think at this point, underestimates the love and the forgiveness of God. Um, I don't know about you if you've ever made foolish choices in your life. Okay, I take that from a few people as true. Um, and uh, those choices wasted too many days in God's kingdom. Uh, you may have even doubted God's willingness at some point to actually take you back from where you were. Uh, but I would say to this morning, friends, don't ever doubt. Don't ever doubt. I ran across a simple uh, statement not too long ago. It says, regret means you've learned from your mistakes. That's not a bad thing. Regret means you feel bad about the mistakes you made. See, if you regret your past, if you know you messed up, if you're tired of living amongst the pagans, guess what? You can go back to Bethlehem. Just that simple. Uh, It takes time and effort, but you don't need to stay in Moab. Here's step number two. Count the cost. In other words, it ain't going to be easy. It might be, but it probably is not. Uh, when Orpah left, what does, Na- what does Naomi try to do? It tries to convince Ruth to go back to Moab as well. And, and why would she do this? Well, the answer is pretty clear. I mean, she knew about this animosity between the Jews and the Moabites. And she knew that it would be hazardous to drag a Moabite uh, widow back into Judea where I mean, God only knows what would happen to her. Uh, she knew she wasn't going to have any more children. Uh, she didn't know whether she could, Ruth would ever find a, a, play, a husband again. And in verses 26 and 27 uh, of Luke, there's a similar kind of story here. Uh, her words describing how bad things were. Well, at one time, Jesus said something similar to his own disciples. He said, if anyone comes to me. And some of you know how that's going to end. If anyone comes to me, if anyone wants to follow me, you need to do what? You need to hate your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, in her in her own way. I mean, she hadn't read the New Testament yet because it hadn't been written. Ruth's words here are, are um, she, Naomi kind of understands these words from God's word. She doesn't want Ruth thinking life is going to be easy. That's what she's telling her. Life for a Jewish widow is going to be hard enough. But as an outsider, Ruth is going to really have some problems. She's an alien in the land of promise. This is why when you get to verses 16 and 17, it's really kind of interesting. Some of you know this passage. It says, for wherever, Ruth says, well, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Have you ever heard those words before in any form of church service? Weddings. Weddings. I find that really interesting. 
Don't seem like much of a wedding thing. I don't know. Should I read that one at uh, Adrian's wedding in a couple of weeks? Should I read that one? I don't know. <laughs> I think I got a better one than that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, these, those words are often quoted at wedding ceremonies, but they were first applied uh, to a daughter-in-law committing herself to a mother-in-law and not a bride to her groom or a groom to his bride. Uh, in New Testament terms, I would say this is Ruth's conversion statement. This is where she kind of finally understands, I'm going to follow your God. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Uh, she commits herself to Naomi. Uh, her commitment is personal. It's complete. Um, she's never going to go back to Moab. This is pretty remarkable when you realize that Ruth has absolutely nothing to gain by going back, going to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. At this point, by the way, she's probably not thinking about getting married again. And I have a not sneaking idea. Boaz is not anywhere on her radar screen for a while. That's kind of hidden in the future. We'll get there in several weeks, which means she's attached herself to her mother-in-law for love's sake and for no other reason. So Ruth the Moabite, it seems, has more faith than Naomi the Jew. That's pretty striking. It's an amazing commitment that comes from a, an, not an insider, but from an outsider to the faith. And her faith here is just absolutely incredible when you think about it. Uh, her commitment to Naomi goes beyond time and space and ethnic background. She, she knows very little about God's heart, uh, you know, she doesn't know near as much as what her, what her mother-in-law knows about her. But with that statement, Ruth binds herself to Naomi forever, which is why in verse 18, I don't know if you caught this, this is one of these little lines in scripture, you kind of go, you read right over it, it says, Naomi was speechless. <laughs> Naomi has been yapping, 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 yapping. <laughs> okay, <laughs> in your, it's kind of in your face. Not, not quite that way. I mean, what can you say to love like that? I mean, this is what Ruth is just, I love you, I'm going to love your God. I mean, how do you respond to that? The time for argument is over. Wherever Naomi goes, Ruth's going to be right there by her side. So we go to step number three. You go back to the place of blessing. Now, when the two women finally arrive in Bethlehem, we heard in the scripture before, that uh, it's big news. The whole town was stirred when the two of them came back into town. Now, Bethlehem in those days uh, was not just the town. You probably know what it is because you sung it at Christmas time. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Now, it was just a tiny little village. Uh, like a ton of them in the state of Nebraska, you know, where it's just a wide spot in the road with a water sprinkler. It's, it's, it's a small little town. Um, and it's where everybody knew everybody's business. Um, I grew up in a town like that. Everybody, you know, it's like when I leave the house, my grandparents would say, be careful what you do out there because we don't want everybody to know you're just a whatever. Because it, it would get around to grandma and grandpa sooner or later. Now, if we, if we kind of make an assumption that Elimelech was fairly well known in this community of Bethlehem, his leaving from Moab would have been a really big deal. But now Naomi's return without her husband was even bigger news. Probably made the Bethlehem Gazette. Did the townspeople know what had happened in Moab? Well, if they don't, 
they would have been shocked to see Naomi without her husband. And what about her two sons? Where are they? We don't see them as you're walking into town. And by the way, who is this this woman over here? And she probably would have been recognizable. Her skin might have been just slightly different color. Now, I'm sure the women of Bethlehem had a great time with that story. Uh, They never expected to see her again. Uh, They were pleased and they were surprised at the same time. And this is what Naomi says when everybody says, what happened? Why are you back? And she said in verse 20 and 21, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has made me bitter. I went away full. I had a husband. I had boys. He brought me back empty. Why do you people all keep calling me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Wow. Pretty tough words. We kind of get a glimpse of her inner state when she tells the women not to call her Naomi. I don't know. I don't know. I talked about this last week. I don't think I did. But Naomi means pleasant. She went away pleasant and she's coming back. She says, now I'm bitter. Change my name from pleasant to bitter. And she kind of explained it. He made me bitter. Well, who's he? Well, God. Uh, he brought me back empty. He opposed me. He afflicted me. Now, actually, when I read those words, I think, man, that's really great theology. Now, why is that great theology? It's because she still believes in the sovereignty of God. In the midst of this, she still understands that God is somehow, even in the midst of her misery, is still in control. See, the bitter pain that she experienced in Moab has bruised her faith. But it's not destroyed her faith. I don't know if you ever had that bruising of your faith in your life. See, if she complains, guess what? She's at least complaining in the, to the right person. She, she, she under, Her complaints in the right place. She's laying it right at the foot of the cross. She's laying it right at the, the doorstep to heaven. See, it is God who's done this. And with, it's with God that she needs to deal with this problem. Now, of course, Naomi doesn't have the inkling of what's going to happen. Uh, she's not even thinking about Boaz. He's not around. Uh, he doesn't even think that someday Ruth is going to get married to this Boaz guy. It's not on her spiritual radar in any way. So here is a believing woman who returns home in utter defeat. God has dealt with this woman harshly, or so she thinks, and she doesn't see the bigger picture in all of this. See, that raises, I think, a question, raises a question for me at least. Can we return to God and still harbor feelings like this? Can we feel really angry at God, but still acknowledge Him? See, if the answer is no, it probably suggests that we've not suffered very much. That's not a good thought to think about. But if you've known great loss, then you can understand Naomi's heart. She's a bruised believer, and guess what? Bruises take a long time to heal. See, this passage, though, ends on a note of hope. That's the really great part about this, when it notes that Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem when? Just as the barley harvest started. Wow, what a coincidence, huh? No, it's what we call a God incidence. A God incidence. 
And this means two things. One, it means that the famine is over. The second thing is a new chapter of life is just about to unfold. Now, I don't know how many of you, or maybe you're hearing this story of Ruth for the first time. I, I, I really don't know. Um, but maybe so far, you, if you're listening to it the first time, you say, wow, Naomi's a bitter old gal. <laughs> Man, whiny and complaining. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. She was. She is at this point in time. But there's more we need to consider here in her life. And see, as long as she stayed in Moab, she was out of God's will. At least she had the faith to make the long journey home where she belonged in Bethlehem. Now, do you think she was a little bit embarrassed walking back into Bethlehem after all those years? Yeah, I've known people who told me, Pastor, I haven't been to church for years, and I'm not sure about coming back because I'm going to feel embarrassed because people are going to look at me and they're going to wonder where I've been, and I don't want to have to tell them where I've been. And I said, it's none of their business. You, you, you take that up with God. You don't need to worry about what other people think. Well, she, she left full. She came back empty. But at least she came home. And I guess that's really the message of Ruth chapter 1. See, we all make foolish choices at some time or another that put us in bad situations. I think we've all, and I, I truly believe everybody from Jeff way back over, over to Arla, I think we've all tried to live in Moab occasionally. We've all tried to do that. Maybe we entered into a stupid relationship when we were younger. Or we maybe moved when we maybe should have stayed where we were. Or we gave up on a dream a little bit too soon. Or we said something stupid that ruined a a friendship or a relationship. Or we tried a shortcut that got us into trouble or... We dabbled in a sin that we didn't think would hurt us, or we yielded to some passion and we kind of ended up in a heap on the side of the road. I think we all can find our own place in that story. So the question today, friends, is, has anybody here ever sinned? No, that's not the question. Uh, The answer is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Well, we kind of addressed that a little bit today when we went through the words of brokenness, the words of restoration we also heard a little bit about in the song, we place it in the hands of Jesus. That's what we do. See, after you finish criticizing Naomi for her bad attitude, you've got to at least give her the credit she deserves here in this story. At least she had the good sense to go back to Bethlehem. She's a bruised believer. She sees no hope for a better future. But she's not given up on a God, even though she feels that this God is somehow turned against her. Now, I read this story, and I, I almost, sometimes I get this, like, I don't need to preach a long sermon. I'm just going to come up and say one sentence and sit down, and then people will applaud like crazy, and we'll pass the offering plate again. Not that we don't do that anyway. Um, but I, I thought, I could have just stood up here this morning and said, uh, Nancy just read this scripture, and this story reminds us that God's grace far exceeds our sin. Amen. That's how I could end that. I could preach a whole sermon that short. I'll say that again. This story just reminds us that God's grace exceeds any sin you have ever, ever done or ever will do. See, when Jesus died, you know, we're talking about his hands stretched out on the cross. 
His blood that was shed that day covered all of the sins ever committed, past, present, and future, including the ones that, if I ask who wants to share a story, you say, I don't want to do it because it would embarrass me. Uh, It would be all those things that just went south for you. He died for all of those sins, all of them, every last single one of them. And so I just want you to remember, just as Naomi had to learn, as everybody else who hears the story needs to learn, is that you cannot cancel God's grace. There's no way to do that. You can skip church. You can hate church. <laughs> you don't like to be confronted with the God. You do all kinds of stuff. You can, you can run from here to Skyler, Nebraska, <laughs> and you can't outrun God's grace. As one person told me a long time ago, he said, Barry, you need to learn that God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. Uh, I'm, I'm glad for that. We just need to thank God that this is true, that he's a God of grace. And it's just as true for us as it was for Naomi, who made a lot of dumb mistakes. Now, I hate to end a message this way, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. The harvest has started. The night is over. The sun is about to shine on both Naomi and Ruth. It's to be continued next week.